eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Confusion reigns in Serie A with COVID threatening to derail Sunday's fixtures. Stevie G travels to enemy territory in the FA Cup third round. Ricardo Pepe's Bundesliga adventure begins. And so too does Afghan 2021. I'm with Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, and Jonathan Johnson to discuss all that and much more. Kigo Lasso weekend preview begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kigo Lasso. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are now over 7,000 subscribers on YouTube. Thank you so much. Let's get to 10,000. YouTube.com forward slash Kigo Lasso. We're on Twitter, Kigo Lasso Pod, Apple Podcast, Spotify, etc. etc. Right then, weekend preview. All righty. Heath Pierce, what's up, man? I'm doing all right. How you doing, baby? Life I'm is good. good. I'm good. You look all beigey. Yeah, you look all beigey and brown. Mm-hmm. These that, that background is amazing. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I do a lot of uh, mini puppeteering. Uh, you know, I do a lot of <laughs> pub shows for kids, things like that. So I'm for hire. You just have to. Uh, I, I I come with quite a cost. I love it. I love it. And that was Jonathan Johnson's voice. JJ, how are you, bud? Very well, thanks. Great to be back with you guys. Absolutely. Happy New Year, Jimmy Conrad. What's up, man? I've decided I'm going to change my New Year's resolution, and I want it to be Heath Pierce doing a puppet show behind me while we do one of the Kid Golasso podcasts. <laughs> I love it. We will make that happen, Jimmy Conrad. <laughs> Let's do it. Welcome, everybody, to our weekend preview, Kid Golasso. Thank you so much for being here right then. We begin, of course, with Serie A because it is returning with an asterisk. Uh, Everything that we tell you today about the Italian league, please take it with a pinch of salt because there is a lot of turmoil from a fixture perspective, a lot of multiple COVID outbreaks as Omicron continues to impact the game. Uh, The league's COVID protocol, by the way, is that games will go ahead with 13 players, including a goalkeeper. Uh, But as of right now, as we speak, four of Thursday's games are postponed. Uh, Bologna Inter, uh, Atalanta Torino, Salernitana Venezia, Fiorentina Udinese, um, and also, by the way, in the weekend, a lot of that will be changing as well. Uh, three Napoli players ordered by local health authority to quarantine for a week. There's just a lot. So every time we talk about Serie A today, everybody, uh, is going to be tough. So, Jimmy, let's begin with you. Serie A, <laughs> it returns. Uh, yeah, let's go with the harder. <laughs> okay, I'll go first. I just want to throw out a disclaimer. I'm not giving out any betting tips because I don't know the starting lineups for any of these That's games. how I began with I'm you, Jimmy. I'm just going to start there. 
but there could be some good value for some of the smaller teams. That's also something to consider if you want to throw it out there and take some risks. Wait, so are you giving betting tips? I'm just, just saying, oh, I'm not giving betting tip. tips. I don't know the starting lineups, but I will say there could be some tremendous value. You just got to look at it and, and choose wisely. Maybe, maybe I mean, a crazy surely, surely it's going to be good value that there's not a full slate of fixtures. That too, that that too. There's plenty to discuss there. Because I don't know the starting lineups, it's hard for me to really advise people one way or the other. I do want to say, though, the Bologna Inter game was crazy because Inter Milan flew there, showed up to the stadium, and Bologna didn't tell anybody, and they they didn't have enough players, and they just canceled the game. Inter Milan's like, what the hell is going on? So they had to have a training session, from what I understand, at the stadium just to get something out of the game. But they're pissed, and their whole front office coaching, everybody's upset. Because the local authorities, because there's some rules in Italy that that give all the power to the local authorities, lo- local health authorities, saying that Bologna have too many COVID issues, they can't play. If that's the case, we could see a lot of games postponed here. So I'm very curious to see how Serie A is going to handle that. Obviously today, later today after we're done taping this, Juventus plays Napoli. Obviously that's going to impact some things. I don't think Napoli is going to win that one anyway. I think Juve are the, are the favorites in that one just due to all the Injuries with with Napoli and losing some players to Afcon. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it's crazy over there right now, and I don't know how it's all going to be handled because it seems like there's a lot of people that are upset. Yeah, I don't even know where to start with Syria. <laughs> exactly. I think mean, you did a great start. job. Like, I would love it if, if if Luis would have been like Keith. Let's go to you on a specific player, and maybe I could give you an opinion. But I couldn't even give a confident answer right now. Obviously, <laughs> it just seems like obviously the, the forfeit where where they were granted a three nil win also seems like Italy is going through a lack of clarity or transparency with everything that they're doing. Uh, I mean, Italy is, is sort of no, no, um, it's no mystery that they've had a number of things throughout the years in terms of controversies and things that go on in terms of awarding points, deducting points, not awarding points, but deducting points, controversies around that sort of stuff. But this is one where you would think, given the, the last couple of years, there'd be a stronger protocol in place to help people understand. But now you have local health authorities involved in everything to where uh, even if teams are wanting to, where the league is saying, hey, you have to play, local health authorities are saying you can't play. It's just a lot um, going on. And when you go back to Atalanta sort of being ground zero for COVID a couple of years ago, they went through a lot and 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 sort of uh, a lot of tragedy uh, in, in Syria, not in Syria specifically, but in some of these teams, in some of these cities that have Syria. So hopefully they can get a grip on this uh, and hopefully that'll lead us back to, to getting consistent games out in the league. Yeah, uh, I'm going to add to that and say, it's actually really disappointing um, how Serie A has been handled over the last month or so. And that's not just talking about COVID. Uh, it's also relating to the Salernitana issue as well. They were saved with a very last minute bid. Uh, so it looks like they will play on in Serie A. Whether or not that takeover actually fully you know, gets uh, completed and sorted out before the end of the season, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But the fact that that shameful situation was even allowed to drag into the season was, was pretty embarrassing. And then to be back in this situation again with multiple matches, because it is something we saw last season. You know, we had that famous Juventus-Napoli match, uh, the ghost game, which eventually had to be replayed uh, after it went to the courts and was appealed a, a few times. So, you know, as you know, obviously we love it. We're delighted to have Serie A at, at CBS, uh, but it's... It's just so frustrating because it's such a great product, yet it feels like it's run, you know, pretty amateurish uh, at, at times. 
Yeah, one of the biggest issues, I think, not just Serie A, but uh, Premier League as well dealt with it as well. It's just like, you know, anticipating what's going to happen. What, you think that, you think that you know, suddenly uh, COVID is going to go away. You need to really anticipate all these scenarios. And to your point, Jimmy, about, you know, Inter going to Bologna and then suddenly they realize, oh, there's no game. Like, these things have to be rectified. There are meant to be games, especially on Sunday, Roma, Juventus. I, I dare even ask, uh, you know, any kind of, prediction interlatio as well maybe Des throw in the other games as well but anything in regards to the fixtures themselves Jimmy and and how things can look up because obviously as we tape Napoli still has to face Juventus uh, Roma has to really press the recharge button in 2022 with Mourinho uh, anything uh, out of notice that you may see this weekend well I'm curious about this Roma game that they played today against AC Milan because mm. Milan are missing Cassier, Benacer I mean a couple of players to AFCON Tammy Abraham should be back and healthy and ready to go. I think that'll give them a bit of a boost. So if Roma can kind of get on that momentum and get on that Mourinho momentum, then I think they could maybe make a little run here at the start of 2022. Of course, you know, the proof's in the pudding, so we have to see how they play. I just feel like maybe Milan are ripe for some counterattacking. I could see a 1-1, I guess, that one and that one today. With regard, though, to, to Inter and Lazio, Lazio just finished 3-3 with Empoli. Crazy game, back and forth. Empoli went up two goals, uh, 2-0 in the first 10 minutes. Maurizio Sarri, for all the attacking prowess that I think he's put in place and, and allowed those players to score a lot of goals, defensively, they are an absolute nightmare. And when they take on Inter Milan, who now have that extra day of rest and not having to play today against Bologna, I just think that gives Inter Milan, especially at home, the advantage against Lazio, as much as I think Lazio will will push back. So I guess from a betting perspective, I think Lazio will score, but I think Inter will win. So maybe take a look at that, what that value is going to be. And then in the other game, uh, just anything with Juventus right now, even though they've won four out of their last five, they haven't really looked convincing. So I'm curious to see how they play against Napoli. And obviously that would influence how I think they're going to play this upcoming weekend. But yeah, obviously lots of things to keep an eye on, of course, COVID being the number one. Yeah, the thing that I would follow up with that is Roma seem to be in a decent position if they can take advantage advantage of it. Obviously, Jimmy mentioned the Milan match, then they'll play against Juve. And then from there, they've got a pretty favorable schedule. Five of their next six matches are against teams in the bottom half of the table. They're looking at bringing in some potential signings with Maitland-Niles being rumored there, as well as Umtiti. And so if they can bring in some of these players that can help them in the stretch and they can start to pick up these points in a consistent run of form, I don't see why they can't pick up 15 points out of their next six matches if they can get three or four out of these, these these next two difficult ones, I think that they could establish themselves. They're six points off the top four right now and think that that could be a huge a huge boost for them. On the flip side, uh, with Juventus, they've got a little bit more of a difficult schedule heading into January and February, and it, and it obviously picks up again when they go into the UCL. But in the next couple of weeks, they've got Roma, they've got Inter in the Super Cup, AC Milan, Atalanta as well. And so this is a must-win for this Juve side, who are actually in a decent run of form uh, heading into the break right now and could could w- will look to continue that pace right now as well. And that's pretty much my main thing outside of potentially looking at this uh, Venezia, AC Milan game. Venezia obviously relying more and more heavily on the Americans. Looked like they were going to be a secure team in Syria and then have gone on this stretch of really, really struggling. Where AC Milan now have to really, really put a battering or, or a convincing win uh, to kick off the second half of the year for them or to continue this run in the second half of the year if they want to keep pace with Inter at the top of the table. You know what? I've got a question for you guys because I'm going to focus on Lazio now. We, we, we've we spoken a, a number of times this season about Maurizio Sarri, the way that he's got this Lazio side going. And we know that on their day, you know, they can compete with anyone in Serie A, get a, get a, you know, get a strong result, you know, 
win uh, win it, win a derby match, whatever. But they seem to drop points in the most inexplicable of moments, and I, I wonder whether there's not some point coming up sometime soon where Lazio say, okay. You know, I don't, I don't, we don't think that this Saudi experiment is going to work, uh, and they opt to part ways with them. It's, it seems like me, it could be the next unexpected managerial departure because it's not working out the way that they thought it would. You know, this is a Lazio side that was recently in the Champions League. They could quite easily slip out of all contention for Europe uh, if results continue to go against them. For me, I think it's crucial that they start picking up points uh, and stringing wins together if, if Saudi is to avoid the chop. Yeah, I'll jump in and say that I think that there's enough on the attacking side of the ball. And I bet if Castillo, the hero, Moble, who we all love here, is as the captain and one of the leaders of the team, is happy, right? And you got some of the key players that are happy with what's going on on that side. And obviously, with Chiro, the hero, having 14 goals so far this season, and uh, Malinkova Savage having seventh, he scored again today. Uh, it, it There's something there that I think they could probably, you can see some promise if they can just tighten things up defensively is, is really going to be the big thing. Is Maurizio Sarri the guy for that? I feel like he likes to defend with the ball, right? If, if they have the ball and if they possess, then the other team can't do anything. But if you don't have the players to necessarily perform that, and to your point, JJ, if they're just turning off in, in key moments, which are leading to goals, because, I mean, I see here against Udinese at the beginning of December 4-4, Sampdoria, they win 3-1, Sassuolo 2-1, 3-1, 3-1, 3-3. I mean, the, the scores are all over the place, and there's not a lot of consistency there, to your point. But I think if I'm the ownership group of Lazio, I'm looking at, okay, if we give Sari better defensive reinforcements, let's start there because that could just be a problem in general that has nothing to do with Maurizio Sari. And if he still can't figure it out with maybe a few better players or just getting healthy in that particular area of the field, then maybe it's time for him to go. But I think it'd be pretty early to pull the trigger on him right now. That said, he does have a track record of wearing out his welcome pretty quick. The only thing I'd say to that is that they're, they're two points off the pace of, of Roma, who are, again, one of these things where I think that, that Jose Mourinho perhaps has worn his welcome if he can't get the reinforcements and get the results. I would actually have the same argument that you're having, JJ, with, with, with Sari, where you start to wonder of, like, when, does this, when is the right time? You know, you bring these, you bring these managers in, and you don't bring them in to, to squeak into a, a playoff or into a Champions League spot or a Europa League spot. You bring them in to do something transformative or something impactful and at a certain point, you have to wonder as they sort of sit with three good games and then a couple average games. And like Jimmy said, these inconsistent performances, I wonder when the right time is is to, to move away from this. Oddly enough, for, for, for them specifically, they've played in eight matches. I believe it's eight matches, maybe more this year, where they've either played up or down a man. And so there's certainly a lack of an ability to capitalize on, on, on playing up as well as a lack of discipline where they're constantly uh, having players sent off. It seems like there is a lot of emotion that plays into the side where they've left points on the table this season. Well, they have to be careful because they are eighth in Serie A and they're not that far away from anybody below them just as much as they're not that far away from anybody above them. So in many ways, their fate is on their own hands. But, you know, to everybody's point, uh, anything can really happen when it comes to Sarri Bull. All right, let's... Uh, Move on here. And by the way, as we mentioned, everything that we said about Serie A, throw it out the window. No, I'm kidding. Just take it with a pinch of salt. Just everything we say in general, throw it out the window. <laughs> well, JJ, I, I do want to keep my job. But I don't yeah, want to at, least, at, at least when we have these things, we have something to blame when we get it wrong. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's move on here. Let's go to England. The FA Cup third round fixtures will show up on the screen very soon if you're watching on YouTube. But some interesting games, of course. Uh, United against Villa uh, will be part of it. Leicester, Watford, Swindon 
against Manchester City. And by the way, 21 players and staff test positive, including Pep Guardiola and seven first-team players for Manchester City. Um, I know everybody, oh, it's Swindon, whatever, they can make it happen. But still, it's significant uh, regarding those numbers. So he's looking at the FA Cup third round, specifically City, Swindon, United Villa. Anything uh, of interest there? Uh, the, the Lester Watford one is interesting. I mean, obviously Man United, uh, is interesting to me just because of the fact that they're almost back to full strength, it seems. And even with that, I don't know who they're going to roll out. It seems like things are getting worse and worse on the Ranić, where I'm not sure if anything is going to make the difference. I read earlier today that it was either 17 or 19 players could be looking to leave the club because they're not happy. And you can name those all pretty quickly. And they're all big stars, right? When you think about uh, that plus the players that aren't playing particularly well, that aren't looking for an exit like a Jaden Sancho. I just wonder who's going to be able to step up uh, in, in these matches. Now, I do think uh, logically Man United should be able to win this one, but there's no logic in anything that Man United are doing right now. Uh, it seems like there is, you know, it almost seems worse with Runyuk now in terms of uh, the morale of the team, the players, the fact that the transfer window is open now, I think, obviously adds to the tension within the club of players looking for a quick exit and a number of teams looking perhaps at a fire sale for a number of these these guys. And it could be a time for Man United to, to move some of these players on outside of Paul Pogba. The team is pretty fit, but I'm just not exactly sure who wants to play in the team. And with this 4-2-2-2, you would think that they would have had some time to figure it out. If you go back to when he first started, we're like, okay, he's adding a little bit of structure, the high press and these types of things. But that none of that seems to apply. And then to move on from that game, looking at the the, the match between between Leicester and, and Watford seems like a pretty good matchup to me. Leicester are again a depleted squad where you could have a case where you have young you have players like uh Yannick Vestergaard starting in the team. So Yonku doesn't seem to like he'll be back ready to play. So there's a number of players. I think an upside from there is that Madison's gonna be or could be back into the squad if they decide to play him in this game, which is a boost just for the team in general. And then Iosi Perez is gonna have to be the star in this one if they're gonna try to advance through uh, this match. And on the flip side, Watford. Um, and get, keeping Ismail Asar as well as uh, Emmanuel Dennis, but not being able to use them in these matches. Just seems like a bizarre time where we're going to talk about Aubameyang and a number of these players who were going to go to AFCON and then they didn't go to AFCON, but now the teams can't use them and all these types of things because of COVID as well as a number of other reasons. So that's yeah. a matchup that I... Don't that forget, I, don't forget Ranieri against Leicester, right? That's uh, that's mm-hmm. that, that's a key mm-hmm. thing right there brought up by Des. Uh, JJ, what do you think? Anything from England, the FA Cup third round that appeals yeah, to you? you know, I, th- I, I bet Heath was uh, thinking we'd go one uh, weekend preview without chatting Arsenal, but I'm looking at that Forest-Arsenal game and thinking, hmm, could be a bit of an upset on the cards there. I mean, Forest now looking towards the playoff places in the championship after a bit of a slow start to the season uh and you know given their history you know forest obviously everything they've done in europe uh you know were one of the the, the first premier league teams as well you know you, it's just one of those games where you know there could be a shock on the cards uh, for me i think that it's going to be a tight one uh and it really wouldn't surprise me if uh you know if, if forest managed to nick something there with the magic of the cup I mean, you're saying this, JJ, Arsenal are the most successful team in FA Cup history. They're going to figure it out. This isn't the League Cup. This is the (laughs) FA Cup. Also, Leicester City are the defending champions. So I like them to have that experience, despite them being super depleted in all areas of the field, to get what they need to get against Watford. I also very curious to see if Daryl DK is going to make his debut for West Brom against... against Brighton. Brighton in this one. So Brighton obviously been playing pretty well. So I'm curious to see if Daryl DK is going to show up and how he's going to perform. 
And then I just Manchester United. It, it, the whole thing is very fascinating to me. Uh, Ed Woodward's going to step down this month. I think that's uh, probably a big sigh of relief for a lot of people, even though they just hired another accountant to take over uh, who doesn't have any kind of footballing experience per se. So that'll be fun. I'm sure that's not a dumpster fire, but but they've only lost one game under Ralph Rangnick. And God damn it, are they like losing their minds over there? And, and I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you what, if you're not in ahead, crisis and then, and then you lose to Villa at home, that's when you really know you're in crisis. Yes. No, no, yep. you're right. You're right. So this is a big match for them in a lot of different ways. Now, I, I wanted to bring up the fact that every time we thought under Ole Gunnar that they were down and out and they were in crisis mode, Ole Gunnar would pull out some crazy result out of his butt, you know? And so I wonder if Rangnick is still going to have that magic as well. Whoa, and you know what? Villa is the club that always allows you to do that. So I'm not <laughs> even going to be surprised. So yeah, go, but, keep going. But Steven, Steven Gerrard actually, since he's taken over, has gone you know, punch for punch with Liverpool and Man City. Like he, the, they've played really well against some of the bigger clubs. Now yeah. I put uh, quotations around bigger clubs in Manchester United. I don't know if you consider them a bigger club anymore <laughs> or not, but uh, that's my bad joke. But I, 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 I find that game to be very interesting mm. for the points that JJ makes for what he said and what you're saying as well. Luis, that, that, this is the one I'm circling for this FA Cup weekend, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And the third round is always an intriguing one, but I do go back to that. Uh, all those COVID uh, issues with Manchester City. I know it's Manchester City, but still, it's a lot. I mean, Heath, does that worry you in terms of a Man City perspective on what happens uh, later in the future? Or are they just too strong, too good? They'll be able to deal with it. Well, oddly, it seemed like uh, Man City was the one that kept everyone under wraps. Pep Guardiola, obviously, you know, laying the hammer down on on two of his players and suspending them for for their actions that could be detrimental to the team. Obviously, we're seeing now with this... this uh, this uh, form of COVID that it's just running rampant through these teams. And, and, whoa, whoa, whoa. And quickly... Heath, 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 Heath. Do you feel like Pep Guardiola finally just said, you know what? I need to go get a beer as well. I'm going to go hang out. And that's how <laughs> I got COVID. Yeah, Pep Guardiola is living in the back rooms of nightclubs in Manchester. And you know what? When he thought he was bulletproof, we ended up getting COVID, spying on his players. Uh, Singing far, champagne far, supernova, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> far after midnight. But yeah, I, I, I think there, there, there is an effect on that. Obviously, the upside, it's if there is one, is that you kind of sweep through the entire entire the team the whole squad is out and and the way that they're seeing now is the bounce back is pretty quickly by and large for for most of your players and so in this window of time if it happened two weeks ago when man city had a more of a tough uh stretch of games or more difficult games i think just just because of man city being man city they've gotten the luck of the draw on this one or getting it on the back end after they've gotten themselves a little bit of a cushion they're playing against they have a very easy matchup that could have been a difficult one so I think if there was a time for their team to get hit hard, this is probably the most lucky of times. I don't know what you guys think if there was a not that there's ever a good time or that you wish that on anybody, but it seems like they they drew the the the, the best stick out of all the teams who have had to deal with this over the last three, four weeks. I mean, also as well, when you look at the way that the rest of their season is going to shape up, you know, they've already got a decent lead in the Premier League. Uh, you know, they're going to be looking at the Champions League wanting to go better than they did last season, losing to Chelsea. I mean, could City afford to not win the FA Cup this year? I mean, in, in any circumstance, they might well still get through against Swindon and, and come up against someone tough later on in the in the competition, or they might go out now because of COVID. But yeah. I don't think it would be the end of the world for City, is what I'm trying to say, if they did uh, drop out of the FA Cup here because of this. 
Yeah, it's more the repercussions after the fact, I think, right? Like what happens maybe after the FA Cup. But yeah, to your point, it should be, you know, fine even if they bow out of the FA Cup. All right, we're going to bow out ourselves for a little bit, take a break. Uh, when we come back, a uh, little bit quick on the African Cup of Nations, and this is a certain player that never disappoints. And then uh, we'll talk about La Liga, Bundesliga, Liga, of course, and much more. Kigo Lasso. Weekend preview, Jonathan Johnson, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, LME will be right back. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody. Kegolazo Weekend Preview. All right, the African Cup of Nations this weekend. By the way, we have a fantastic, fantastic preview uh, coming your way this weekend. So make sure that you watch out for that. Please, it drops on Saturday. So if you're listening to this or watching this on Saturday, Check it out as well. But the games kick off on Sunday. Cameroon, the host against Burkina Faso, Ethiopia, and uh, Cape Verde as well. But let's talk about uh, Jimmy Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Uh, mm-hmm. His Gabon, of course, representing as well. But he has tested po- positive for COVID mm-hmm. upon arrival in Cameroon. He was seen in Dubai, by the way, with uh, teammate Mario Lamina uh, in the build-up to the game. Talk to me about this, because this is meant to be a sort of audition for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Well, he got let go early from Arsenal because he wasn't going to feature in that Man City game, so they let him join the squad is his uh, national team a little bit earlier. And uh, he took advantage of that by doing what he does. You know what? I really appreciate his consistency. I'll be honest. <laughs> He's an equal opportunity offender of the rules. Doesn't matter for club or country. He is consistent. And I respect you for that, Pierre and Marika Bamiyang. But he's probably going to miss out on the first two games for Gabon in, in, in the group stages. And that doesn't bode well for him. Obviously, the country really relies on him to be the centerpiece of their attack, if not their best player. And this is a big loss for, for them. And again, now, not only did he get a lot of, I'm sure, abuse for, for everything he's been doing for Arsenal, but now he's going to get it from his country as well. He might just want to go hide out somewhere for about, <laughs> I don't know, maybe a couple weeks. Well, and, I, and think now, he now, now. I, I think, think, I think totally that's totally mandatory, out. Jimmy. Yeah, that's that true, part that's is true. mandatory. And that's then, true. That's and true. <laughs> I'm curious, though, it, just, just to like, tiptoe into the waters of transfer news, what does this mean? I mean, Arsenal must be going like, ah, oh, we're trying to get rid of this guy. And he does yeah, I mean, this. Honest, honestly, which club is going to look at him right now and not I, think that he's an absolute clown? Exactly. Well, exactly. They shouldn't well, have let him go so in. early. Why the hell did they let, even if they're not using him, they'll be like, look, we don't want to play. Kind of we just at, stay uh, at home, that kind of poisonous attitude around the club. 
No, at the, end, I, at the end of the day, the more time that you can isolate Aubameyang from his teammates, especially while they're in a good run of form and starting to recover, the better. Yeah, uh, but it's know, a catch-22, is- my friend. It's a catch-22 because you can say, look, we don't want you, you're a poisonous, but you can go to Dubai. <laughs> but that's going to risk our chances of selling you because you're going to get, guess what, get COVID. Well, I mean, to be yeah. honest, I'm sure that they didn't, They well, I mean, I'm sure that there might have been some suspicion that he might pull some kind of stunt like this, but I don't think they would have absolutely known he was going to go straight to Dubai. No, I know. I it's a, would have I'm partly him. joking. I'm partly joking. My yeah. my point is is that you know it, it, what what Jimmy said. You know, he's consistent with his offenses, <laughs> no matter what happens. On the on the flip side, you know, this is a good opportunity for Denny Buanga, a guy who I rate really highly in Ligue 1 with Saint Etienne, having a difficult season at club level. Uh, you know, to be the talisman for this Gabon side at the Africa Cup of Nations. Keith, yeah, Arsenal uh, fan? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, JJ knew that we had to talk about Arsenal because uh, Aubameyang makes sure that we have to talk about the <laughs> Arsenal every single day of the week. But no, I mean, look, there is no de- defensible argument for this. I am not his attorney at law by any means. <laughs> but a lot of people, you know, part of the fact that uh, World Expo is here in Dubai right now uh, has brought tons of tourists to this area and under this idea that that there is no COVID. When I got here, there was 100 cases a day across, you know, multiple millions of people. And that has continued to increase and spike and have all kinds of um, issues here. And so many people came here for this escape from countries that have lockdowns and things like that, where they can't do anything, only to find out that COVID obviously uh, is is very, very rampant here. And this new type of, again, uh, Omicron is, is moving quickly through places um, as well. And so there's no defense to what he's done, especially putting his team in jeopardy the way that he has, putting himself in jeopardy, putting others around him in jeopardy and making selfish decisions prior to uh, a big tournament where he had a chance to fix his reputation and potentially either fix himself with Arsenal or move away from the club. And now he's going to find himself probably sitting with Arsenal reserves when he gets back with nowhere to go and teams wanting to potentially offer almost nothing for him or not even waste their time taking chances on him. Wait, Heath. I'm listening to you. Is that just code? Everything you just said for I actually hung out with Obama Yang when he came to Dubai. <laughs> I tried. I hit up. I hit up. I hit up Lucho Garcia. He was too busy to hang out with me. Well, that's right. He was uh, there Miguel, too. Miguel yeah. Silvestri was here. I hit him up, and he, and he he was like he couldn't make time. I I hit up uh, Patrice Evra. They actually have a, a celebrity game tonight. I was like, hey, I got legs if you need them. Didn't get invited to that. So I've pretty much just eaten my humble pie. I'm not going to reach out to. Uh, Aubameyang as well. Sure, Although a couple sure. years ago, I did have to help with a few guys that were young, uh, uh, underage, trying to get into the nightclubs here at some of the bigger clubs in London from a friend of mine who who works in or run, or owns a, um, the uh, Miss Lilies here in Dubai with young players coming in, sent me a message saying, hey, man, you got to tell these kids to relax. But uh, again, I don't represent any of them. I'm not their agent. I'm not their lawyer. They are all free to do their own thing. And I'm uh-huh, just saying... Uh-huh. That nobody wanted, came to, here nobody wanted to check out your puppet show like you could have <laughs> yeah, <done that>. exactly, <laughs> nice exactly. no one even has time for coffee for me so I got exactly no power here. all right let's move on let's talk about la liga uh real madrid who by the way lost their first game of 2022 and now they face valencia saturday 3 p.m eastern uh, another game with rayo against betis but let's talk about real madrid for a second jj uh little i mean getafe well done on getting that win but Real Madrid, uh, is this uh, telling another story at the beginning of this year or, or no? Do you think it's fine they'll be able to rectify things against Valencia? 
Well, I mean, let's just see how the next uh, game or two goes. But I think, you know, Real, given the way that they performed over the first half of the season, you know, I think they put themselves in a position where they could afford, you know, a, a minor blip. Uh, you know, and I think it's from their point of view, they'll probably rather get that out of the way before the Champions League. I know there's question marks about Benzema's uh, fitness at this moment in time. Uh, they've, they've lost a couple of players through COVID recently, uh, including Vinicius Jr. So I think, you know, they'll feel that as long as we're sort of in relatively good nick coming into the Champions League clash with PSG, they won't be too worried. Uh, you know, obviously, mm. if this turns into a bit of a rut in La Liga, uh, you know, then they can start, uh, you know, being a little more concerned. But also given the fact that, you know, they're so far ahead of their expected title rivals, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I don't think that they'll feel too much pressure because they'll look at some of the chasing pack with all due respect to the teams that are that are there in and around them uh, in, in, ter in terms of like the top four. And they'll feel that they have more quality than those teams to, to see it out over the course of the season. Yeah, what I would jump in and say is the last time they had a blip, they lost to Sheriff at home in the Champions League. And they followed that up by losing to Espanyol for the first time in the league in 25 years. And it looked like they were on the precipice of doing something similar because they lost to Hitafe. And then in the Copa del Rey midweek, they were down, or no, it was 1-1 to Alco Alcoyano. And, and that was the team they lost to in the Copa del Rey last year. So it was 1-1 for a while. And then they ended up pulling away and winning 3-1. So they kind of dodged that back-to-back -back loss that they featured in before. Now, after they lost to Espanyol, they rattled off 16 straight games and 13 of them were wins something crazy so i expect now with vinicius jr back into the team after going through all the COVID protocol after he spent some time in miami way to go taking advantage of his time <laughs> in miami and, and having more options because you could see in the hitafe game if benzema isn't saving them with some worldly goals or whatever he's doing they do have a, a tendency to to over rely on him but vinicius has really i think helped balance that out and made them a little bit more unpredictable in their attack and even though they had some chances, Modric, I thought, was actually pretty good in the Hitafe game, hit one off the crossbar. That game could have gone either way there, but uh, some good goalkeeping, as we discussed in our recap. But but I like Madrid here, even though I'm a big, big, big fan of Jose Bordalas, the manager of Valencia. I think he's very good at getting more than what he has at his disposal in terms of talent. He's yeah. got him in a good spot. They're only two points off, out of the top six. I don't think they're going to get the result here. Uh, Madrid are, are 19 games unbeaten at home in La Liga. Uh, but but I do think that Valencia's future is pretty bright with him in charge. Yeah, and they're also just very good against uh, Valencia. I think Valencia is a strong team. The only thing I'm actually worried about is the fact that that gap at the top of the table has been cut to five with uh, Sevilla having a match in hand in this one. But I, I think in, in the head-to-head -head matchup here, as Jimmy mentioned, the stats tell, tell it all that Real Madrid should be able to win this with Vinicius Jr. coming back. And I believe with Benzema rested and and uh, Modric rested and, and a number of their players getting those rests. They're going to put their full-strength squad out against this team, which they need to do because of the, the, the quality of this Valencia side. And hopefully we'll get a chance to see more of Yunus Musa, which we haven't seen much of him uh, since coming back from injury um, late on late, late in the, the fall of last year. So uh, overall, I think, I think Real Madrid are too strong. They can continue to get this gap. And they're going to have to just continue to kind of allow themselves to, 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 to maybe have a, a slip-up once in a while, but knowing that Sevilla... Uh, are going to keep pace with them, but could fall off at some point. I mean, if I'm if I'm Real Madrid, though, I look at that and saying, hey, if we're going to lose to Hitafe every once in a while, and Sevilla is the one chasing us or catching us, I like my chances of continuing uh, to stay out in front and win the title. There's another good game, Rayo Vallecano against Real Betis. Betis third with 33 points, and Vallecano with 30 in sixth uh, spot. And Rayo have the best home record in the top five leagues this season with eight victories 
and a draw. Jimmy, uh, I mean, Betty's man. I mean, it's January 3rd. Pellegrini, can they hold off? Or no. What, what do you no. think? No, they can't hold <laughs> on. Why did you they, tell they, me already? I'm, I'm, a big Manuel Pellegrini. I'm a big Manuel Pellegrini fan, and, and I really appreciate what he's done to really solidify that club and make them hard to beat in a lot of different ways. I just don't think they can maintain that top four status. Uh, Sevilla, to his point, I think will kind of have to figure out how they're going to balance multiple competitions. I will say very quickly about Sevilla and even Betis, what are they doing to the transfer window to potentially strengthen their squad? I think that's really important. Are they going to add a piece or two? Is there that same ambition mm. from the front front office and from the board of these clubs to say, hey, listen, hey, Manuel Pellegrini, or how, hello, Julian Lopetegui at Sevilla. We're going to give you an additional piece to make that run because we believe we have the squad to finish in the top four. Or in Sevilla's case, we believe that we have the squad to compete for the title against Real Madrid. So keep an eye out on what the kind of moves that they try to make yeah. in, in the transfer window. Cause I do think that will implicate how, what they're trying to do and how, and, and, and their ambition in, in total. I'm sure the manager of course wants more pieces and more depth, but, but will the board follow that up as well? So that's something to keep an eye on just as an overarching theme. In Betis's defense though, is it not important to tie down Pellegrini and Canales, which uh, yeah. you know they've done in it's recent out. weeks? Also, you've got Joaquin's impending retirement. You know, perhaps they're waiting for him to move on to bring in uh, some younger blood as well. Or, or, as much as none of us want to see that day come where Joaquin finally retires. No, but, I don't. Uh, I love Joaquin. <laughs> but the the thing that really interests me most about this game is it's actually. A uh, tactical battle between two of arguably the most impressive coaches in the league this season. You've got Iraola on one side with Vallecano uh, and Pellegrini on the other. So I'm really curious to see how this one shakes out. The only thing I'd add to this is, is in terms of the hunt for a top four, obviously Sevilla have gapped themselves from three and four being Real Batiste and Atletico Madrid. But there's still just a five point, I believe it's a five point, get six points to Real Batiste to place number nine. So when you talk yeah. about positioning, you're leaving a lot of room, whoever is giving up points in this match. Obviously, Real Batiste lost their last two in the league, so there's a potential for them to fall off. We've seen that from a number of teams uh, earlier on in the year. Real Sociedad being an example, uh, Villarreal being an example of a team that's hit a little bit of a dip of form at times where they start to fall back in the league. And so anyone who's going to give these up is going to open themselves up to a, a race for the top four that includes you know six, seven teams that are that are seriously vying for those positions. And so... It's going to take a lot of consistency, not just in the first half of the year, but more importantly, the second half of the year, if they want to have any any chance at getting into a Champions League spot. Now, you did mention Villarreal, and, and I want to bring them up because as we saw last year under Unai Emery, they won the Europa League, but they really struggled to, to handle or manage balancing that form, the same type of form in La Liga. They finished sixth, so they needed to win the Europa League to qualify for the Champions League, and they made it to the knockout rounds, which I thought was a bit surprising because Unai Emery's a master of the Europa League, not the Champions League. But they have been on fire six straight wins, and I think it really coincides with Gerard Moreno coming back and being healthy. The guy has been on fire. He has scored so many goals since his return, and, and he's got, let's see, four, six, he's got seven goals in his last four games. That's and amazing. that changes things, right? When you have a team, any, for any team around the world, if you've got a player that just is, is taking those half chances and making them goals, it takes so much pressure off the rest of the team to have to be perfect, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And Gerard Moreno is back and healthy, and it's no big surprise to me that Villarreal have won four straight games in La Liga, are now only four points behind Atletico Madrid, who they play this upcoming weekend. This is a tremendous game for an Atleti team that we could argue is though decimated and just sold Kieran Trippier to, to, to Newcastle, 
it's just they have so much talent. But Diego Simeone, I'm hearing a lot of my friends going, he's washed. He's the, the game's past him. He can't keep up with the modern game. I'm like, this is Cholo Simeone we're talking about. So there's a lot of intrigue and narrative and awesome narratives around this particular game between two managers that were very well known in, in Emery and Simeone. And then obviously two teams that are kind of going in different directions, though, obviously, uh, Atleti won last week to kind of right the ship a little bit. But I'm curious to see how they're going to respond if they can build on that momentum. Yeah, to your point about Villarreal, of course, uh, their game against Juventus will be an added piece of uh, task uh, when they return in the Champions League. All right, let's go to the Bundesliga. Ricardo Pepe, Augsburg against Hoffenheim, away at Hoffenheim, Saturday, 9.30 Eastern. The FC Dallas graduates. Uh, amazing. And by the way, it's Richards against Pepe, a USMNT interest here, Heath Pierce. Yeah, it's great. I mean, hopefully Richards played. He didn't play in his last game. He's sort of been in and out of the lineup for a lot of the year. He goes in these runs of four or five games of 90 minutes where he plays really well, has a little bit of a setback where there's a rotation in the squad, and it takes him a few games to get back into it. So hopefully Chris Richards is back into it. He seems motivated and excited about the opportunities that he has there. He's grown so much as a, of a player getting out from the shadows of being a young player at, at – uh, at Bayern Munich. And then for Ricardo Pepe, this is a perfect scenario to just throw him uh, to the fire. You brought him in for a specific reason, record-breaking transfer fee. You want to get him in as quick as possible. He's obviously training in the club. If you've seen a few videos that have come out online, they're really welcome, welcoming him in. And I know it seems cliche and stuff like that, but for a player who hasn't been in the greatest of form going into this transfer, it's good to have those teammates feel like they're, they're embracing you and accepting you into the club and knowing that you might be the, you might be the reason that keeps them in, in the league, which if you know the contractual structure of of the Bundesliga, it's pretty much a 60-40 league where 60% of your your, your salary is, is in your base and then 40% sort of gets made up, even though 100% is obviously your base salary. But you can make up to 40% more on average on bonuses, and that's based on points per game. If you draw, you get a, a bonus for a draw. You get three points. It's based on a point system. So knowing these players could could see Ricardo Pepe earn them uh, significant bonuses and keep their wage structures and all the things that you want. If you're Augsburg in the, in the tough time that they've had, you welcome this guy into the club and hopefully that leads to a run of form and it could start against Hoffenheim. Yeah, I'll jump in it really quick. And what I find interesting about this game is that even though Chris Richards didn't start the last one, I could see the coach from Hoffenheim going, well, you know, Ricardo Pepe, you played against him. You trained against him. He's on your, your U.S. men's national team together. Maybe you are the one that has the insight on knowing, knowing how to stop him. So I could see actually him getting the start. And it would be cool. Not only are we saying that two Americans are playing against each other, just in general, they're actually going to be playing against each other on the field. So I am very intrigued about this game in particular to see if Chris Richards gets the start, to see if Ricardo Pepe at the minimum, get, minimum gets 45 minutes or maybe he's the super sub that comes on with 30 minutes left to go. Because I think that Ricardo Pepe has shown that he likes the big occasion. He likes to like set a good first impression. He did it with the U S men's national team. You know, once he got his opportunity, he got to, he scored in the MLS all-star game, that, that, that crucial penalty. Like these are just these little moments where I think he's ready for the, for the big stage. And, and he, and he wants that type of attention. Mm. He wants that type of pressure to prove himself. And I think he'll be up for it. I think he's going to set a good impression. I'm just curious if the manager is going to start him and kind of throw him to the wolves right at the start. Or if he's going to ease him into it and let him be a super separate. Ease, ease him in what? Ease, ease what in? I'm just saying, dude. In. Managers, they, they, they try they to help literally, all the time. They, his transfer fee is probably higher than the entire wage bill of the team, which is so bizarre and absurd to me that they, you cannot waste a single moment to say, we'll work him into I get the it. club. You're like, no, I get you're it. bringing brought in to save the team. And maybe there's a, a sell-on uh, with, with regard to that in the future. But uh, I, I just, if, if I'm there, I'm not wasting any time. I'm saying, hey, man, we just spent a lot of money on you. You better go start going, scoring goals for us. That's fair. 
No, I agree. I agree with Heath. And as much as I want to see Jorginho Rutter rain on Pepe's parade for my all French Bundesliga fantasy team, you can imagine how that <laughs> season's working out for me. Uh, it, no, I, th- I think this is a really big opportunity for Augsburg and Pepe because the season's about to restart. You know, it's not been the best start to the campaign already, but you know, this transfer has the has the opportunity to breathe new life into into Augsburg into this season. Uh, you know, and if you can build up the momentum. Uh, you know, I, I remember it as, uh, as as a Villa fan when we signed Darren Bent from Sunderland. Overall, it wasn't a transfer that massively worked out, but the the goals that he injected into the team, especially in that first season when he arrived, because he was a January uh, transfer as well. The Massive purchase in January. That's right. We were we were desperate, JJ. And he scored he scored a winner against Man City on his yeah, debut. He did. That's, he that's did. the kind that's the kind of impact that Augsburg need from Pepe. Because when you drop this amount of money uh, on a guy who's you know pretty much the new kid on the block. Uh, you know, you really need him to, to to hit the ground running. And, you know, maybe he needs that pressure as well to, you know, to like you guys said, he's the player for the big occasion. You know, he likes, you know, when all the cameras are going to be on him. You know, there's no bigger chance than this when you can potentially make your debut. So I agree with Heath. I, I imagine he'll be thrown in as early as possible. Can I, just point, say, Luis, can, yeah, I, can I just point out real quick that you guys are talking about the Man City of old. You know, it's not like uh, he came in and scored against the Man City of new on his debut. Keith Pierce, we were on the verge of being uh, I'm, relegated I'm, I'm, that I'm year. I'm just saying, you're using some real marketing talk right now as if this is the Man City of new. You know, we're talking nice. about Man City of old where where uh, Paul Dickov was their, the only club legend that came through. But, the but, this, but, this, but this was also <laughs> hey. Villa coached by Gerard Houllier. Well, you know what? Jean Dumacun in midfield. Oh, I'm done. I'm done with this. Keith hey, Pierce always looks for it. You I'm always look for an master. excuse to. I'm, oh, well, I'm just a little puppet master out here just trying to enjoy life. You know? I, I want to see your Paul Dickov puppet. Always this Dubai puppet master. Always always for a reason to shit on Villa. I'm not going to yeah. say anything. Let's move on. Let's talk about Liga. Lyon, Paris Saint-Germain, Sunday, 2.45 Eastern. Jonathan Johnson, before we get into this game, you uh, talked to Crash. I like to mention him as Crash. Give me a little bit of an intro about Crash before we give the snippet. Um, how was the chat, et cetera, et cetera? I, you know what? Uh, as far as interviews go, is one of the more interesting ones that I've done for quite a long time. You know, we got to chat a lot of different stuff. Now, Crash, otherwise known as John Matos, uh, graffiti artist, grew up in New York. Uh, you know, he spans generations. He's, he's worked with a lot of different guys over the years. We chatted a bit of Basquiat, a bit of Haring. Uh, you know, it was really, really really interesting really cultural you know got into it about music and and stuff as well as the the collaboration he has with psg you know his affinity with paris as a city uh you know and i i just found him a very interesting very cool uh interviewee it's you know it's a nice change to be able to to chat to to somebody like that where you've got so many different topics uh outside of the box so hopefully uh you know listeners viewers uh you know enjoy the the snippet of that interview and you can find more of it uh on uh, on the cbs website or on my twitter feed i love it here is the snippet everybody what do you think uh you know as, as someone who's obviously a fan of both soccer and basketball of the collaboration work that psg have done over the last couple of years especially the stuff with jordan because obviously that's you know something that's quintessentially french but also very much american at the same time um well the the, the, the thing with psg is um to me anyway they are they they've always been very 
um, uh, youth driven. You know, they're, they're like, well, uh, the club is like 50, 51 years old. So, you know, it's a relatively young club compared to a, a bunch of other clubs, you know, in Europe. But they've always trended toward what's happening now. And I think that's that's part of, of the allure of PSG. Um, you know, um, also basketball, um, like with soccer, is is those two beautiful sports, you know, where the, there's a flow. And when the when the flow is going and everything is, is happening, it just it just takes off, you know. Um it, it it's it, it, it was, I don't know, you know what, in my mind, it was just the right thing at the right time. You know, even through this, the, the pandemic and the little slowdowns and the little hiccups, it, it was just something that, you know, had to be done. All right, that was Crash. But let's get back into the game. Leon PSG, talk to me, Jonathan Johnson. What's the latest in Paris Saint-Germain? Big year, a big 2022 for PSG. And, of course, Kylian Mbappé. Talk to me about this game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just put something up earlier today on Mbappe and the the contract situation and how people probably shouldn't expect any sort of, uh, you know, concrete news either way, whether he's staying or whether he's going, uh, you know, until closer to the end of the season. Certainly not before uh, the doubleheader against Real Madrid in the Champions League. But no, for PSG, it is a big year and it's not started in ideal fashion. Okay, they won 4-0 in the Coupe de France. Uh, Mbappe got himself a hat-trick, but they've had COVID issues with Messi. Uh, They've had uh, ex-players slamming Neymar because he stayed in uh, in Brazil to continue his recovery from an ankle injury, which looks like it's going to push him quite close to that Real game before he gets back on the pitch. Uh, And you've got players, uh, you know, dropping out with uh, positive COVID tests left, front and center. I think Angel Di Maria is perhaps the latest uh, to have tested positive. I don't know if the club have confirmed that just yet. So all a little bit messy for PSG. Uh, And, you know, coming up against the Lyon side as well, who based on form, PSG will expect to win this. But Lyon, with the quality of players that they have, the need to start improving under, under Boss as well, you know, this could potentially be a, a tricky one for PSG away from home. What I was going to say is that PSG could miss over half their team, I feel like, and still necessarily get a result <laughs> in this one. But 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 they have a 13... They can drop points here, and it won't matter. I mean, they got a 13-point lead at the top of the table. Lyon are 21 points behind them. Mm. And, and, and Lyon are also only what, nine points away from the relegation zone. I mean, they are really struggling. But they're only eight points off of Nice, who are in second. So so it's really interesting times in terms of the balance of, of where everybody is. Like PSG are clearly... And, and clearly the, the, the front runners and should be, given what we can see on paper and what they're capable of. But even though they haven't really played well, nobody's really been that excited about their form consistently. Yeah, you see bits of it 15 minutes here, maybe 15 minutes there. But they just they, they don't look like they ever get into... To top gear they're like eh, second gear I, I do, do we want to be bothered today I guess Mbappe will turn it on at the end and we can score a couple and that'll be that it, so what you're it, saying is the focus is the Champions League everything I else do, just, I do I do at this point I mean Leon, Leon definitely need these points there's no question they need these points and, yeah. and I'm a big Toko Akambi fan even though he's gone for AFCON so so you got you got these players that that I think could have helped Leon maybe get a result in this one, but uh, I don't know if it's going to be enough. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see a draw. Leon has had five straight draws in all competitions, so maybe that's just their vibe right now. But uh, but I don't know. This is a this is an interesting game for me. But but I always you always got to tip PSG to do the business because you don't know if it's this is going to be the game where they turn up and play a great ninety minutes. 
I mean, I, I guess my follow-up with, with having, knowing that they had three straight draws even in the league, JJ, is there, is there you know, we've talked about this in the past about potential managerial changes at Lyon. Obviously, the club in itself has gone through so much controversy this year. Uh, I mean, is, is, is this a must-win game from the club standpoint or is this, or is it, again, focusing on this is one where hopefully you get a point out of it, you maybe get three points out of it if, if you're at your best, but the, winning the rest of the matches is what's more important than this one. Yeah, I don't think that they'd make a game against PSG a must-win one, but I think they'd probably set a, a sort of a minimum expectation of points from the first few games of, of this new year because there's there's been some suggestion for some time that Boss, you know, might be on borrowed time if he can't get the team to to click, uh, you know. But there's so much going on behind the scenes at Lyon as well. It's really messy right now. We've seen Janino Pernambucano uh, leave as sporting director. He's going to want to step into management at some point in the future, whether or not that season go back to Lyon uh, as as coach at some point you know we'll have to wait and see but for the moment the expectation is that I'll probably start his coaching career in Brazil but you know there's just so you know they Lyon being kicked out of the Coupe de France uh, you know all of the fan troubles that they've been going through you know hitting Pierre with the the bottle and everything it's been a miserable couple of months uh, for Lyon uh, and now you know they've come into the transfer window with nobody really to lead uh, you know, their their business, whether it's in terms of uh, incoming transfers or outgoing, uh, you know, there's been criticism of the fact that they've been quite open with the fact that they don't really do as much scouting as they used to as well. So it's really not the happiest of times uh, in Lyon. It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, given a couple of bad results outside of the PSG game, if, if Boss is under real, real pressure sometime soon. We've spoken about it in recent weeks about how Jesse Marsh is somebody who's on the uh the the Leon shortlist if they were mm -hmm. to to change coach so i guess you know we'll just have to wait and see how things go over the next sort of two weeks or so but for me i don't think that boss's future will hang in the balance based on the result against psg but if it's a really disgraceful performance and i know psg rack up a cricket score which has happened against leon in the past you know who uh who knows by the way if junior panambucano ends up being a manager, can he have a clause in his contract where he can come in just for free kicks? How cool would that? Be? <laughs> hey, we brought him. We brought him to the New York Red Bulls just for free quick free kicks, and then he got and then he got forced to train on a midweek game, and he was thirty eight years yeah, old. He's and he was like, I'm too old for this. I'm yeah. leaving. And he literally left the club after a couple exactly. weeks. Exactly. Uh, so just come in as a coach, and every time there's a free kick, he can just go in. Did, did you ever get to crack the secret though to Janino's free kicks, like watching him up close in training? Yeah. Well, Pirlo says it in his book. Uh, well, getting he, it on the valve. Yeah, yeah. He he says it. He literally breaks down the uh, aesthetics and the and the mathematics behind Janino Penumbacano's free kick. It's uh, it's quite a thing. So buy buy Pirlo's book, Jimmy Conrad. You love Pirlo. I have right? it. I don't have to buy it. I I I live. I sleep. I sleep next to it. That's how I love. I love it. <laughs> it sleeps next to you. Uh, I love it. I love it. All right. Well, that's it. That's our weekend uh, preview, everybody. Before we say goodbye, final thoughts from anything perhaps that we haven't talked about or something that you want to echo once again. Heath Pierce, you first. Final thoughts. Um, yeah, Gio Reyna's back for the U.S. fans. He could feature against Eintracht Frankfurt oh this God, weekend. It's felt like a lifetime, Heath. Yeah, it's and 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 again, I, I I've tried to keep my uh, U.S. soccer propaganda to a minimum this one, but that is a big move back to come back into the team after a long absence. And then Bayern Munich uh, are are almost depleted of their entire squad, but Joshua Kimmich is actually back and fully fit uh, after his controversies and lung issues and everything that he did. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens to Bayern Munich, even though they're cruising to and uh, likely uh, uh, their 10th consecutive title 
it'll be interesting to see the team that they're capable of pulling out this weekend. We might be able to see a couple of young players that don't get as many minutes. Uh, for me, I, I guess I'm looking forward to seeing how the two new coaches in uh, in Ligue 1 get on. We've got Philippe Clement at uh, Monaco. He's left Club Brugge, had a couple of good years with, with them in Belgium. Uh, and Trois as well, who is City Football Group owns. They have a new boss. Uh, Laurent Battles uh, has been dismissed. Um, Bruno Earl, who famously clashed with a very young Kylian Mbappe at Monaco, youth specialist, uh, is now in charge there. So exciting times uh, following both of those. I love it. And I would just jump in and talk a little bit more about the Africa Cup of Nations. Cameroon is hosting the tournament. They got Burkina Faso to start the tournament. Uh, what I love about this particular event is that it's wide open. In the last five iterations of the tournament, there have been five different winners. Algeria are the reigning champs. I think they have a good shot at winning back-to-back -back titles. But you can't sleep on the hosts in any of these competitions. Samuel Eto just got named as Federation President. And obviously, all eyes should be on this tournament. It's a special one. And hopefully people can tune in at some point. My game that I'm really looking forward to in the first round is Nigeria versus Egypt on Tuesday. That should be a great game. I love it. Well done, Jimmy, because that was my segue to make sure that you check out our African Cup of Nations preview, by the way, with Mara Masahi, who's a uh, North Africa correspondent. He's fantastic. He'll be hopefully part of the show as well throughout because he's there in the tournament, as well as uh, Michael LaHood as well, uh, former yes. Sierra Leone representative. He was great as well in the preview and our very own Nigerian scams, Tosin McKinley, to talk some shit about the Super Eagles because he's such a glass half empty kind of guy. And I love it so much. It's a great preview. So make sure that you check it out. But make sure that you check this out all right if you're well i guess you are because you're listening to this so there you go now you, i need a third coffee okay everybody well, thank you so much everybody for being part of kegel that's a weekend preview heath pierce thank you so much brother thanks for having me jonathan johnson always a pleasure likewise thanks for having me jimmy conrad get that andrea pillow book out of your pillow man. oh what <laughs> i've got to read another chat i've read it like 18 times thank you everybody for listening i appreciate you Thank you so much, everybody. Heath Pierce, you're freaking me out with that thing. Thank you so much. Have a great, great weekend. We will see you next time.